This is where Texas politics gets interesting. Here again are two guys named Jason, some great guests, and cold Texas beer for another smart conversation on Yolitics, the unofficial political podcast of Texas. Hello, hey guys, welcome test, back test, to. Test. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Welcome can you hear me now? To... We can hear you now. Do you hear me okay? What did you spill on your microphone? I didn't spill earlier. anything on my microphone. We were just getting ready to start here, and suddenly, like I, I, I guess the the aliens visited or something happened. I started <laughs> like becoming digital sounding, or what happened there? I, I don't know, man. I have no idea. You need to take better care of your equipment, I think, uh, <laughs> first of all. But let, let's talk about uh, let's talk business here, man. First of all, shout out to everyone who who downloaded and listened to our last episode with State Rep. Jared Patterson, man. I, I've heard a lot of feedback from oh, folks yeah. talking about that. So we, we appreciate uh, appreciate that. It got quite a conversation going on X as well. I don't know how much you've dipped down into that, but uh, this episode got a lot of people talking and, and some of them weren't happy. Uh, yeah. and, and it went back and forth on there. Kind of interesting to watch that. It, it, it was wild to watch that. We, we are virtual for this one because there's so much going on uh, in the headlines that we need to get into. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. But even when we are virtual, we still crack open a Texas beer. But what since we're virtual there? and I'm on a uh, Zoom with you, I'm having the Rar and Sons Adios Pantalones. Well played. Well uh, played. No, I'm actually having that because we're we're heading down to the uh, Texas-Mexico border in this episode. A little foreshadowing there. I have uh, a Cruiser Kolsch. It's an all-year beer. Interesting. Beer. An all-year <laughs> beer. An all-year beer. That's what you want, though, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, when it's when it's seventy degrees in Jan in February here. Yeah, you don't want to be drinking one of those Christmas spice ones uh, at this point. Oh, gosh, um, where is this from? Cruiser beer. Cruiser, uh, I haven't heard Blanco, of that Blanco, Blanco, Texas. Oh, Blanco, Blanco. They call it Blanco, Blanco here in Blanco. Texas. I know it's I know. wrong. I was it's waiting one for of you. many, one of many towns uh, that we decide uh, consciously to pronounce incorrectly. <laughs> it's amazing. What are the other towns? Uh, there's lots of them. Yeah. Uh, Mejia, I would say, is one of the the worst uh, examples of Mexico purposely, yeah. yes, mispronouncing something. Yeah. But yeah, there's a ton of them. We ought to just get the. There is a farmer's almanac that has the pronunciation guide for every Texas town and city. We ought to get that out one day and just kind of do the top ten worst ones. I mean, it's just it's it, it's almost like you have to twist yourself into a pretzel to say these things sometimes when it's so clear what it should be. We should road trip to some of these as well find out it's a good idea but we'd have to get the budget going first and fire up the uh, yolitix jet but well, you know, and now we're going to need a new microphone apparently because apparently i spilled something <laughs> on mine so forget so that. you know we talked a lot about how wheeler and i have a lot in common it, it's odd um but we just I, I said the other day in one of our offline meetings that hey guys I might not be able to make the the podcast this week because i have jury duty i'm on call <laughs> for jury duty on yes. call that's and, the new thing and I've been on call before for, uh, you know, state jury duty at, at, at state criminal courts and state civil courts, yeah. but it's on call for one day. Yeah. So the federal court sent me a letter and said, hey, you're on call, by the way, and you're on call for two weeks. Yes. You can call in every day. Every day. Every, every, every day gonna... at three o'clock. You got to call in. Hey, do you need me tomorrow? Do you need me tomorrow? It's unbelievable. And it's weird because we're as different as we are. We do have things in common. And I just got one of those same things where, and it's for federal court, same thing. I got to call in for two weeks. I, I really hope we end up on the same jury. Um, Can you imagine? I, I think that would be fascinating. 
Um, but no, it's 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 the same deal. But you know, in my situation, I don't see it as an inconvenience. I'm gonna be calling them every day at three, like, please, can you please, please put me on a jury? <laughs> you're, you're calling at two forty-five. Uh, hey, yeah. I'm available if you need me tomorrow. By the way, and can you give me a case that you think might go months? You know, I, you, I think that would be like a case? vacation at this point. Put like, me yeah. on the Trump case, whatever yeah. it is, whatever one might go a long time. Well, let's talk about, uh, let's get into the politics here, because there's a lot going on at the border. And you hear about the border, and you're like, oh, okay, what's new about the border? It's, oh. You know, it's it's full of, of politics, it's full of all kinds of spin, misinformation, information. H how do you cut through it? How do you find out what's really happening down there? So we have two guests on who I, I really like, because they cut through the BS of what's happening on the border. The first guest we're going to get to in just a moment is Jesse Fuentes. And Jesse, if, if you've been listening to Yaltics for a minute here, you might remember Jesse from last year. I believe it was last year, wasn't it, Wheeler? Yeah, last we, July. Yeah, so he he runs a a kayaking or a, a canoeing outfit, I believe, on the on the Rio Grande. And he's I think they do taking, both, yeah. He he does both, and and he's been going up and down uh, the Rio Grande for for years. He's from Eagle Pass, where all this stuff is is going on right now, where the flashpoint is happening uh, for the border and immigration issue. Yeah, and if you're watching this podcast instead of just listening to it, uh, Jesse is the perfect character for this. This guy looks like he is straight out of central casting uh, for who you would expect to run river outfitting operations in Texas uh, on but, the Rio Grande. But he, he could have done that 100 years ago. He's out of central totally. casting. He could, he could walk in right now on any set for any <laughs> Western anywhere. And they'd yeah. give him a gun, a six shooter, and just like, go at it, dude. Do your thing. <laughs> he looks the part. I mean, it's just, it, it's amazing. Uh, so if you're watching, that's a, that's a real treat for yeah. you. So, and, and his mustache has, has grown longer. I, grown longer. I don't remember what it was like before, but it's now it's like over his mouth. You can't see him talking. It's got to be another poker, inch. You know? I, I, like, I have mustache envy because I can't grow one like that. <laughs> um, and, and our other guest on this episode is uh, a, a U.S. congressman. His name is Michael McCall. He's a Republican from Central Texas. His district runs from, from Austin through Waco area down towards the Houston area as well. And he's the, the former uh, chairman of the, uh, uh, I'm going to get this wrong, either Homeland Security or, or um, Homeland Security or Foreign Affairs. He's really into... To foreign affairs also, but he's great because he's McCall is one of these members of Congress, a lawmaker, a politician who will tell you what it's really like. He's candid in his conversations. He's not afraid to say his own party screwed something up. And and when we call him, we ask him, you know, you guys were trying to impeach you guys, Republicans in the House were trying to impeach the Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Um, but you didn't have enough votes. Why in the world would you let this go to the floor and take a vote and, and have an, an embarrassing moment when you don't have enough votes? And sure enough, that's what happened. I want you to hear what he says a little later in the podcast here. And there's uh, been well. a lot of infighting uh, in the party over that and over the bipartisan border bill, this sweeping border bill that they negotiated, uh, but that Republicans have now walked away from. A lot of infighting in the party over that as well. So this central key issue that Republicans are running on in this you know, crucial election year, uh, this, this huge issue... Uh, they're at odds within the party. There's an intra-party struggle over their position on these huge items related to this issue. It's a big issue. And of course, one of the questions we had too is, 
by you guys, I say you guys, uh, by House Republicans walking away and Senate Republicans walking away from this bipartisan border deal they spent months on, are you now giving President Biden something to run on? You guys have been bashing Biden for months, you know, maybe rightly so, for not addressing the border. He finally helps broker this deal. And and uh, James Lankford from Oklahoma, Republican there, very conservative member of Congress uh, of the U.S. Senate. He he helps broker this on behalf of Republicans. Mm-hmm. They get the deal done finally, and Republicans are walking away. The GOP has moved Joe Biden to the right on this issue, and they're walking away from it. So the question is, does that give Biden something to run on? That hey, which would I, be I ironic. Table. It, which would be ironic because the, the definition the idea- of irony. Yeah, the idea in backing away from this was that this was supposed to give former President Trump something to run on, because if the border uh, still seems to be in chaos, uh, that's what he wants to hit. A hundred percent. So let's get into this and let's go straight to the border. I don't want you to hear from the politicians because they run down there all the time and they do their photo ops and then they go back to D.C. And if you remember what Jared Patterson, the state rep, the Republican from Frisco, Texas, said last week, he got really upset and and, and said a few words about them but said how you know you guys the republicans go to the border you do your photo ops you go back to dc and you don't do anything and and that really frustrated jared patterson and probably a number of other republicans who who want to see some action uh, on the border but let's go down there and hear from a real person hear from jesse himself and if you're if you're if you're listening to this and not watching it i urge you to uh, search for yolitics on youtube and actually watch this episode as well too he didn't dress up for us this is how he looks every single day. And and Jesse's a great insight to what's really happening down there for the folks who live in Eagle Pass. Okay, y'all, the conversation doesn't stop here. Find us on Twitter and Instagram. We're at Yolitics. It's, uh, we've had a lot of people in town and, and uh, whew, they're still coming <laughs> back today. <laughs> well, well, let's hop right yeah. into it, man, because I, I know your time you is busy you. as well. What, what's it like yeah. in Eagle Pass right now? We heard about the convoy. <clears throat> Seems like every day there's another uh, politician down there doing a photo op. And it's just, you know, the flashpoint for the, the border and immigration issue nationally right now. Yeah, I tell you what, uh, it's uh, <laughs> over the weekend, uh, it was uh, pretty intense. Uh, there was some fringe elements down here with that convoy that uh, were pretty serious. We officially today uh, send the governor a letter saying we would like for him to vacate Shelby Park and return it back to the taxpayers of this community. So uh, I'm trying to, you know, be civil about this. We even invited him for a sit down to listen to our concerns. Every time that he comes down here, Coincidentally, he excludes the people that this is affecting the most, border residents, people that live in the community. He's only catering to individuals from other states. And what do they know about what we're going through? Nothing. And he just uh, totally, totally disregards us and doesn't include us in anything. And he's not even willing to sit down. You, you talk about there being political theater down there. And, and and if there is political theater, Eagle Pass would certainly be the stage uh, for that, because this has been, you know, at the epicenter of everything. Uh, you're the owner of Epi's Canoe and Kayak Team, um, and you've been uh, taking people out on the river there, the Rio Grande, for uh, forever and ever uh, for different tours and so forth. So you go, I, I guess, a fair distance uh, there down the river. What is it like when you leave 
Eagle Pass because, uh, I, you know, we never hear about the rest of the border. It seems like we keep hearing about Eagle Pass. Do you, you know, when you're just kayaking along out there, uh, first of all, do you see this kind of state presence like we see staged there just in Eagle Pass? Do you see all of these state officers all along the river? And do you see people just crossing in, in droves like, you know, we see these little clips every now and then on the news? What do you see when you go out? The, the reality is that when I uh, take individuals out, uh, most of the individuals uh, and they have been a lot of them have been uh, journalists from not from the U.S., some from the U.S., but the majority have been from uh, Europe and uh, and other places and um, what they're taken back by and what they see is uh, is the uh, cruelty and the injustice and the engagement uh, tactics of of, uh, of the governor i used to be able to get out at about 45 minutes which is roughly about a mile and a mile and a half right where the buoys are at was an area where i would exit because I had an agreement with the uh, pecan orchard uh, owner, uh, the Leonard family, when when they were when they were there, and uh, it was a beautiful exit. Now you can't get out until eight and a half miles. So we have to anybody that I'm going to take on the river, you have to be prepared to be on there for two and a half to three hours. And why can't you get out uh, and, because of the razor wire or what? Yes, because of the razor wire, and because if you, I mean, if you cut it. Uh, you're committing if you put anything on it it's criminal mischief criminal trespass and i'm going how could that be that's because of those barriers and and now the wire is even in the water uh it is uh, the most atrocious thing that you can ever see and uh, sometimes uh people don't want you to see it uh, they only pick that particular 2.5 miles that shelby park is and believe it or not that's what upsets me because that belongs to the city. Everything else is private property, you know, and even some of those private property uh, properties have been taken over completely by the governor. Even the owners don't have access to the river. So, you know, you're talking about property rights. Uh, this governor has just, you know, uh, I guess uh, he doesn't believe in respecting the law. You know, he believes in only challenging federal authority. And that's not how I believe. That's not how I was raised. And, and that's what I keep telling them. You know, it's Jesse, civics 101. You just yeah, Jesse, let's, let's talk about Go ahead. let's talk about federal authority here for a moment as well. You, you, I'm sure you've seen what's going on in Congress with Republicans there trying to impeach the Homeland Security Secretary, Alejandro Mayorkas. Republicans didn't have enough votes. To and uh, they're going to take another shot at, at doing it. And they seem, you know, pretty determined to do that. What, what do you think about that? Is that going to impact anything? Does anyone, is anyone talking about that physically on the border? Well, I tell you what, uh, the one sliver of hope uh, was that, uh, that legislation that was put together in the Senate by, uh, you know, both the Democrats and Republicans, even though it was, you know, pretty intense and, and not everything that, particular size one. It was a step forward. It was progress. This is what had been asked for, you know, from the very beginning. Sure. They wanted some some type of control. And all of a sudden, they're walking away from it. And they're pushing, you know, they want to push the guy out who's leading the, the, the negotiations. And I'm going, what are these 
individuals doing? You know, this problem can be solved. There's there's a, a union there. People have, you know, come together and made a compromise and they're not willing to. And neither is this governor because he's coming back to our community today. Despite everything we told him, besides everything that we're requesting, he just hmm. continues and continues to, to be that way. And, and it's sad because, you know, uh, the people want it resolved. The community wants it resolved. And there's an option on the table. And because a certain faction doesn't believe that, you know, it should be solved, let's keep it active until the election. You're going, really? Really? I mean, what, what do you say to that? What can you say to that? Jesse, uh, we talked to you in July of last year. You and the governor go way back. Uh, we talked to you in July. Oh of last yeah, we're year. we're close. <laughs> and uh, we, you know, we talked to you because you sued the governor uh, over these buoys that are sitting out in the middle of the Rio Grande. Uh, that thousand foot long stretch of buoys. Uh, it turns out you you had some uh, good days in court there. Uh, they, they ruled that, yeah, uh, the state needs to remove those. Uh, the state has now further appealed that and the court allowed them to leave those buoys in place uh, while that appeal is working its way through. Uh, when we talked to you last, you told us just by standing up like that and being the first one to go in and sue the governor over this kind of a hot button issue that you've gotten some nasty responses from some people uh, across the country. I'm curious, after the podcast that we did with you and, you know, you haven't gone silent here, uh, what's it like now? Well, interesting that you bring up the buoys. Uh, uh, I just recently uh, had some conversations with some individuals about them. And every time that I get on the river, I'm getting an update. Uh, last time I was with you, I told you that they would obstruct the flow of the river. Well, guess what? These buoys are becoming an island. There's so much sediment and debris that has collected on them that they become stagnant in the water. They don't float up or down. They're becoming an island. Actually, an Abbott Island is what I call it because anything that doesn't belong in the river should not be there. And I, I mentioned that from the very beginning. Mm. And uh, yeah, it uh, there's critters living on them. I just, I couldn't believe it. I go, really? Uh, and we did a dye test to see how the water flows and you see how poof, it affects it so bad. And uh, it's incredible what uh, what we're having to go through just to, you know, maintain this governor's rhetoric. Hey, last thing I want to ask you here, Jesse, before we cut sure. you free is how much do you figure all this has cost you because you make your living on the river and this is, uh, you know, diverted that some of that it's also costing some legal fees. I'm sure. What do you figure this has cost you, man? Well, you know what? Uh, it's uh it's cost me a lot because uh, I've lost uh, uh, some relationships some, and uh, individuals that, that don't agree with me. And, uh, but it's also um, made me more fervent about being an advocate for things that are wrong in our, in our community and in our state and the way things are, um, you know, emotionally it's a, uh, I don't record anymore when I get on the river because um, it's been destroyed and uh, nobody cares about it, you know? And, and uh, to me, that was my pride and joy. It, it wasn't really about the money. It was about getting people out there to, to see the beauty. And uh, 
what this governor has done to our community uh, and will continues what he continues to do is just you know beyond beyond anybody's uh, belief because it's it's ugly and uh, it's cost me more of an emotional toll than a financial toll and that'll be where i leave it at Jesse Fuentes, uh, the owner of Epi's Canoe and Kayak Team there in Eagle Pass. Uh, thanks for the check-in and and for the update on how Thank things you, are Jesse. going down there. We we may still have to loop back with you again. This doesn't show any signs of letting up. <laughs> yeah, this is an ongoing battle, and I appreciate you allowing me the opportunity to speak to you, gentlemen. I've always uh, appreciated what you do and, and how you do it. Thank you for your time. Click subscribe and get Yolitics every week. Eolitics, the unofficial political podcast of Texas. So that's Jesse Fuentes uh, sort of painting the the picture of what's going on down there uh, in Eagle Pass, which, again, has become, you know, the focal point for all of this. Yeah, I would love that. That's our second time talking to him. Yeah. Uh, I really would love to go out on one of these canoe kayak trips down the Rio Grande or up the Rio Grande with him there. Uh, I don't think. I don't think you have it in you, though, because, you know, now it, he has to go nine miles. You know, it's not just that quick, like 20 minutes and we're out, you know, or, have, you'd be the person in the back. And I'd be like, come on, paddle, man. I'm doing all the paddle. Have you even been to Eagle Pass, Wheeler? I have been to Eagle Pass. Have you? OK. Yeah, been no, to I, Eagle dude, Pass, Del Rio, Piedras Negras, across the border. Yeah. I, Laredo. I, I have, too. Yeah. I think we, we talked about McAllen, this last time we had Brownsville, on. all of it. Arlington. Harlingen. Used to, but you used to party down at uh, South Padre. I have it. been to South Padre <laughs> and uh, also uh, some ill-advised crossings over to Matamoros uh, when, you know, I probably should have called it a night. Uh, that's uh, that's another episode. I, I do want to hear that story. <laughs> but but let's, let's stick with the politics on this and, and stick with, with cutting the bull here. And what I did like about... Um, what Jesse said is how the the buoys out there that are the center of this legal fight, they've collected sediment all around them. They're not floating in the river anymore. They are an island on the river. Well, if you'll remember, wasn't there an island there before uh, the the state went in there and sort of cleared that out and put those buoys in there? The the, yeah. the river is going to remake itself as it sees fit, you know, as it comes around bends and so forth. And if that's where it deposits sediment, that's where it's going to put those again. And and Jesse's saying too that that he couldn't he can't get into the river uh for like eight miles around Eagle Pass because there's so much razor wire down there. And the state rep Eddie Morales, we, we reached out to him, we couldn't just line this up, but he said the other day something that, that really stuck out to me. And he said, you know what, Eagle Pass has all this attention on it right now. Shelby Park has this, all this attention on it. But go 40, 50, 100 miles up the Rio Grande and either up or down the Rio Grande, and and what are you gonna see? You're not going to see any razor wire. You're not going to see as much of, of law enforcement presence there. And you're probably going to see a lot more people coming across. I'm paraphrasing what Representative Eddie Morales said. He represents Eagle Pass in the state legislature. He's a Democrat there. But he's making the point that this has been crafted almost as theater. And as you said, Jason, Eagle Pass is the stage of this political theater. But, but let's talk about, uh, zoom out a little bit and talk about the politics of this and and get this honest conversation. I want you to hear from Chairman Michael McCall. Um, he's he's always gracious with his time. And we called him up in D.C. at the U.S. Capitol. And the first question I had for him is uh, about the impeachment of the Homeland Security Secretary, Alejandro Mayorkas. And I mentioned this earlier in the podcast. How in the world do Republicans let this go to a vote, a very narrow majority they have in the in the uh, in Congress? How do you let it go to a vote and not have enough votes to actually pass it? 
Here's what he said. Chairman McCall, welcome back to the program here. Let's talk about how this could have happened with the impeachment, you know, going to a floor vote, but not all the votes whipped up. This seems like a an epic miscalculation. What in the world happened? Well, you know, typically you don't put a bill on the floor unless you have the votes in advance. So the whip operation, I have to question, um, you know, it really came down to three Republicans, uh, two of which we knew were going to vote uh, no, but uh, Mike Gallagher, I think, surprised a lot of members with his no vote. And, uh, of course, uh, Al Green shows up uh, in scrubs from the hospital and uh, just a lot of drama. Um, and, of course, really, Steve Scalise being in the hospital with blood cancer uh, would have been the deciding vote had he been there. So what we decided to do was to uh, re uh, sort of table it, if you will, for a later date. Uh, we'll come back and have another vote. And at, at that point in time, Scalise should be there, and we, th we think it'll pass. How soon would that other vote be? That's really, you know, uh, Steve Scalise's health is still not all that great. Uh, but we're really kind of hoping next week. Chairman, the Republicans who oppose this have, have been asking, as you well know, whether these two articles actually, you know, rise to the level of high crimes and misdemeanors that bar for impeachment. What is the crime that you would tell Texans that Mayorkas physically broke, the, the law that he physically broke? Well, first of all, to impeach, if you uh, study the Founding Fathers, it's not required to have a violation of criminal statute. I mean, it's helpful, but it's not required. Uh, a breach of public trust, which is what we talked about, uh, is. But I would say that if you want to look at a violation, uh, there is an aggravated felon statute that says very clearly that aggravated felons shall be detained. Uh, what Mayorkas did was he, he took a DHS memo and told his Border Patrol agents, do not take that prior conviction into account when determining uh, whether to detain uh, you know, a migrant. So what he's essentially doing is taking the Congress's shall language, shall detain, and disregarding that, uh, it's not permissive, it's mandatory language. And the reason why is because aggravated felons are drug traffickers, sex traffickers, you know, these are very dangerous, violent criminals. And there's a reason why Congress says shall detain. Well, he disregards that and tells his border patrol agents, uh, and in fact, says you don't have discretion, do not take into account these prior convictions when you're looking at detaining uh, immigrants. So I... We, we think that's the big, you know, violation. But secondly, you know, I quoted the Biden Solicitor General in the United States versus Texas case, where they're looking at that very statute, by the way. And uh, Kavanaugh asked the Solicitor General for Biden, you know, well, what's the legal remedy here if you're saying the courts don't have a judicial review? And the, the Solicitor General says, well, there, there are many things Congress can do. Congress has the remedy, and they go on to include impeachment as the legal remedy. Uh, so we think we have the, the, the backing up of the Supreme Court precedent. And then finally, I, I quote on the floor, Justice Story back in 1833 says, where a Lord Admiral has neglected to safeguard the seas, the high seas, that shall be deemed an impeachable offense. Well, it's exactly what you have here, a, a man who is not defending not only the high seas, but land and air and sea. And that's his primary mission as Secretary of Homeland Security. 
Chairman, the border, obviously one of the biggest issues Republicans have in 2024. How much of a setback is this in the middle of an election year? Uh, you mean the Mayorkas impeachment? The Mayorkas impeachment, yes, sir. Yeah, I do think, uh, uh, quite honestly, I, I, I'll be honest, it, it's, it's embarrassing. Uh, you know, you don't put a bill on the floor unless your team, you know, you're supposed to count the votes. Now, I'm not the whip, right? But you should have your votes in order before you put something on the floor. I would say it was an embarrassing moment. Um, you know, and I'm supposed to be one of the floor managers for the Senate trial. And, and so we are going to go back and hopefully fix this by getting the requisite votes before we put it on the floor. Who do you blame for this? The the whip in the house or does it go higher than that? Well, I think, uh, yeah. I mean, I think it's leadership, uh, quite honestly. I, I, I wouldn't have, I question why are you putting this on the floor if you don't know you have the votes? Why don't we wait till next week when we know we have the votes? Uh, again, we knew that uh, Ken Buck and, and, and McClintock, we knew based on their conviction, and you have to respect that with members, were a hard no. Mike Gallagher is one who I think surprised everyone, and um, we couldn't talk him out of it. So we're going to have to wait. Uh, hopefully next week we get Steve Squeeze back. Have you spoken to leadership? I have. What, what was the conversation like? I think they just wanted to test the members and put it to the fire. But, you know, sometimes you do that, you get burned, right? And I think Republicans got burned. Let's talk about Ukraine funding. That's obviously been kicked down the road for months here, too. We're at a critical time from everything that I understand. Do you expect the U.S. is going to provide more military funding for Ukraine in its fight against Russia after the invasion? You know, I, I, I do. Um, and um, to that point, uh, procedurally, what's happening right now is this border security bill that Lankford was tasked to do is obviously not going well in the Senate. I don't think they have the requisite votes to pass it. Um, the Speaker, Speaker Johnson, has said this does not resemble in any way H.R. 2, which is our border bill. If you don't have serious political asylum reforms, uh, we're not going to entertain it. So I personally think, uh, you know, uh, the president has executive uh, authority uh, to change what he did when he first entered office, when he rescinded the prior administration's policies with respect to the border, like remain in Mexico, that he could change overnight. And he doesn't need one single law from the Congress to do that. Would I feel better if Congress did act? Of course. But he still has that executive authority on his own to go back to the previous administration's policies that were working. Uh, so if that is going nowhere, it still leaves the foreign policy pieces together. You know, the Israel vote failed last night as well. I don't know if you saw that. So no, I, I wanted to ask you about that as well. And I'm going to jump back to that bipartisan bill. Maybe I got ahead of myself on that. The, the $17 billion in funding for, for Israel uh, failed. A, another, you know, kind of tight vote there. Do you expect the House is going to, to give Israel more money as well? Or is all this tied to that bipartisan bill in the Senate? I think it's all tied together. I've said from day one that the threats are all tied together. I mean, Mr. Putin and Chairman Xi in China are allies in this unholy alliance, along with the Ayatollah. So what are you seeing today? You're seeing this threat to Ukraine and Europe from Russia. You're seeing uh, a aggressive China threatening Taiwan and the Pacific. And you're seeing the Ayatollah lighting up in the Middle East. 
threatening Israel. So you can't really dissect them. They're they're really tied together. And the border is the last line of defense here. So if you take the border off the table, which apparently that looks like the way things are going, to me, the, the best way to go forward is to put those three foreign policy threats issues together. That would be Israel, Ukraine, and countering China. So it's counting China, Russia, and, and the Ayatollah. Put that in one national security emergency supplemental. Let's talk about this bipartisan bill in the Senate to, to address the border. Republicans have, have blamed Democrats for not addressing critical issues like the border. This bipartisan deal looks like it's worked out after, after months of wrangling with James Langford from Oklahoma representing the Republican side of this. And, and now the House kills it, again, leaving the problem unaddressed. When I see this, I go back to the Ronald Reagan thing. Why don't you just take what you can get now and go back and get more later so you have something to brag about? You've, you, Republicans have already pushed Biden to the right on this issue. Well, you and I think alike. I, I, often, I, often, I often use that quote of Reagan. I'm a Reagan Republican. Why not uh, get 85% and go off the cliff with your flag in your hand? And, but when it comes to this issue, I have to say, uh, it's one of the toughest issues to win on because – if it's not absolutely perfect, you're not going to win everybody. And you're going to get beaten up. You know, Langford got beat up back home. He got censored by his own state party. Uh, and so it's perceived as not perfect. It is not HR2. Uh, it does not uh, entertain political asylum to the extent members wanted. And uh, look, I, I went through this myself when I chaired the Homeland Security Committee. And I've got a lot of battle scars on my back. Anytime you deal with immigration, be careful because you're probably not going to win and you're going to get hurt in the process. And so I think that's really what happened here. Uh, it's unfortunate for Mr. Lankford, but um, we still think the president has the authority to fix it tomorrow if he had had the desire to do so. I think he wants Congress to bail him out. And so he doesn't have to. By Republicans uh, ditching this, this bipartisan deal, do, do you think that that gives President Biden something to campaign on now that he can say, hey, listen, I, I proposed something. We worked it out, and then the House Republicans killed it. You know, yes, it could. Uh, but again, he has already has the authorities necessary by Congress to return to the previous administration's policies like ending catch and release, remain in Mexico, which means your asylum claims are adjudicated outside the United States, not inside, where they're then released into society. So I, I think that may be good for a day, but he has that authority already. In fact, Remain in Mexico, believe it or not, is a 30-year-old statute that the Trump administration figured out could work uh, in this political asylum uh, mess, if you will, that the cartels have exploited uh, to get make money and to get uh, people in the United States. A few last questions here for you. We'll cut you loose. Mm -hmm. uh, Chairman, but between the, the border bill, the Mayorkas impeachment, the Israeli funding, Ukraine funding as well, House Republicans, as you know, I'm not telling anything here, but but you know it's a it's a rowdy, a rowdy group there. My question though, based on all that we have seen in the last week here, is, is Mike Johnson the person to bring House Republicans together? I uh, you know, um, I'm not sure what the strategy is. Uh, at times, uh, there are the national security chairman like myself and armed services and House intelligence that believe 
that we can't ignore these threats coming from China, Russia, and Iran, and we have to deal with them responsibly. I think it'd be irresponsible for us to ignore this and pretend like it's not happening in the world and start playing politics with it. Um, I do think he's got a lot of pressure uh, by a handful of Republicans that, you know, have this power to vacate the chair, just like Kevin McCarthy. So he's in a really difficult spot uh, in my judgment. But again, I think if you take border off the table, look, we have to help Israel. I mean, there's just no question. They're our strongest ally in the Middle East. We have to counter China's aggression. And in my judgment, we have to help Ukraine. We can't abandon our NATO allies like we did in Afghanistan and allow Putin to take over Ukraine, then Moldova, then Georgia, then maybe threaten the Baltic states. Then we're talking about having put Americans in theater to fight a war that we don't want to send them to. So what we're doing right now is helping Ukraine help fight this effort for us and for them against Russia. Uh, it would be, they're in our national security interest. And I think to uh, abandon and surrender would be a serious mistake. It would not make the United States stronger. It would make us weaker. And quite frankly, we're already projecting so much weakness after Afghanistan. That's precisely why you saw the invasion in Ukraine. You see China's threatening Taiwan and the Ayatollah threatening Israel is that they see weakness in this president. Chairman, last question for you here. Congress must again address government funding just in a few weeks here too. Some Republicans are saying shut down the border or shut down the government. What do you say? If you uh, if you want to shut shut it down, uh, what is your accomplishment and what's your goal? You're going to shut down paychecks for border patrol. You're going to shut down uh, veteran veterans checks. You're going to shut down. Uh, to some extent, or a military in a very dangerous world. I, I don't see what that accomplishes. So I, I think you're going to have this, uh, usually it's end of year funding, but now it's like March 8th is the deadline. And I think, you know, that's really the, the deadline that you will see for government funding. And I think for this national security supplemental we've been talking about, to me, it's looking more likely that that's going to be the date when all this is resolved. Oh, but at the last minute, Chairman, we always appreciate your candidness and joining us on the program. Thank you very much. No, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So here we are in the politics, the throes of politics, where we're closing in on Super Tuesday, which is now what three weeks away. Early voting starts next week. Yeah, and and the the border is going to be the central issue for Republicans. I just wonder though. If Republicans cannot come together and get everyone on board and pass, any of these issues they want to get passed are walking away from the bipartisan border deal. They're, they can't even uh, get Mayorkas impeached here. And and we know because of the, the makeup of the Senate, he's not going to be uh, removed on that side and convicted on that side. But mm -hmm. McCall is playing an important role. He's he's the House manager prosecuting the case for them. If they can get this across the finish line, the question is, I wonder if the Republicans have now damaged some of their standing with the border by walking away from this bipartisan deal. Mm -hmm. I can I can hear and I can see the ads saying, listen, we we, mm -hmm. we came up with a solution, a compromise here, and you guys are even on board with it until Donald Trump said walk away from it, that he wants to run on that, and they walked away from it. And as much as you know, the back and forth and the back and forth continues here in this country leading up to the crescendo that will be the election, 
uh, you have to keep wondering about the wild card in all of this. And that is what happens south of the border. Uh, yeah. As Jesse was telling us, it seems like they've you know started to button up their immigration operations, their border operations uh, in, in parts of Mexico, which stems the flow upward into the United States. So as we go through this charged election season, you know, does that become less of an issue because you don't see those kinds of numbers coming across like we have seen uh, over the past year and certainly in these past uh, several months? So th th that's the wild card to keep watching, too, because if it's not, you know, if you don't have that focal point anymore, uh, you know, you're, now you're talking about something that happened a year ago, you know? We all know how fast the, the news cycle moves as well. Here we are in February, early February, talking about this. Are we going to look back when we get to August and September and October and look back and say, oh, yeah, I forgot the border was an issue. Border was something they were talking about. <laughs> I, don't I don't know. know. I think I the mean, border is always going to be an issue. But yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, it, 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 you you do wonder what's going to pop up, uh, you know, what, what's going to percolate up to, you know, number one and number two issues. It may not be uh, in yeah. that top two. 100%, man. All right, guys. Hey, thanks so much for listening to uh, Yolitics. Always appreciate it. And, and if you don't know, you can watch us. As we mentioned earlier, you can search for uh, Yolitics on YouTube or you can find us uh, on the Roku app at uh, look for our, our download us at WFAA plus the plus sign for WFAA. And you can watch these episodes there as well. But we always appreciate your support. Always appreciate you listening. We have a lot in store for this election year. Okay, y'all, the conversation doesn't stop here. Find us on Twitter and Instagram. We're at Yolitics.